what an amazing episode with the absolutely formidable Vader Austin. Vader, the woman that really needs no introduction, but Vader is a water researcher, author, artist, and mother of three. For nearly a decade, she's been photographing water in a state of creation, the state between liquid and ice that she believes is responsive to consciousness. This is an incredible episode and we talk about Vader's introductory work into photographing water and the importance of her egg experiments, which I feel demonstrate visibly the power of what happens when we heal ourselves and the incredible observations she had as to really, if we heal ourselves, we can heal those around us. I was moved to tears throughout this um, podcast. You're going to have to listen in to the whole episode. It's impossible to do justice to it. But we talk about life, death, the consciousness of water. We discuss homeopathy and how her work on water can help enlighten us as to how remedies may work. If you want to hear more, you're going to be able to see her book coming out later next year, which I really cannot wait to get my hands on. And if you want to connect with Veda, the links are in the show notes. This is the final episode of this season of Raw Health Rebel while I take a much needed break. And just what a note to end on. I couldn't be happier that we ended with this amazing transformative work that Veda is doing. And I really, really believe that her work has the implications to unlock so many secrets about our world and it's fascinating it really is this is a rediscovery of lost information so listen in and let me know what you think so Veda thank you so much for coming on we've just been having a really good chat before we actually hit record and I'm really excited about all of Veda's work and everything that's in the pipeline and seeing your work that's in development. Veda, before I get you to introduce yourself, if that's okay, I just want to ask you, I wanted to ask you before I hit record, but I thought, no, I'll wait. Do you ever, are you ever not amazed by what you see? Like as homeopaths, even though we do it day in, day out, when a remedy reacts in the way we know it will act, we're still like, oh my God, it's so amazing. It's like witnessing magic. Do you ever (laughs) lose the magic from what you see? No, no, it never gets old. It never gets kind of boring. For me, it's a common and constant state of amazement every time. And one of the reasons for that is that I don't ever expect water to do anything. So what I mean by that is, is that the moment I actually think that I know what water is going to do, or even worse, assume that I know what water is going to do, it won't play with me like that. The crystallography will design something different or it just won't design complex in- imagery. For me, this is about learning the ways of love. This is about not expecting water to do what I want or experimenting on it, but creating an environment where it feels safe enough to share its most deepest and intimate secrets. Wow, that is that is the definition of love, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I sensed that when you were sharing with me, I was like, oh my God, like I could just feel that from you. So thank you so much. So for people that everyone will have heard of you, but can you briefly explain in your own words, introduce yourself to my audience? I'll obviously, I'm going to be recording the preamble before um, this goes out, but can you introduce in your own words? I always think it's nice to have them, um, to have that for the listeners. Sure. Thank you. Well, there's always people that don't know me or that don't know what I do. So I am a water researcher and my area of specialty is in something called crystallography, which is just a fancy way of saying that I photograph this a certain stage of freezing after water has been inspired by some way or something. And What I am proving is that water not only stores information, but shares information within this crystallographic realm. And I'm also seeing that water not only 
reacts to consciousness but responds to consciousness through imagery and when i first began this work which was 10 years ago and i have been freezing water now nearly not every day nearly every day for 10 years you definitely become an observer and a, a real keen observer of the subtleties that happen with water in this freezing process. In the very early stages, before I developed my freezing technique, I would freeze water solid because there were three people who inspired me to begin this work. There was Masaru Emoto, of course, people have heard of him, who really opened the door for people to see themselves as bodies of water that are sensitive to thoughts and sounds and feelings and environment. There is my friend, Laurent Costa, who is a French microscopic photographer taking photos similar to Emoto. However, he never wanted to experiment on water because he considered water to be his spiritual teacher. So occasionally he would smile at the water and down the microscope, he was photographing smiley faces, smiling back at him. He was photographing hearts. He was photographing things that were relative to something that had happened in his day that was perhaps in his subconscious. Uh, it was very interesting because he was seeing imagery, pictures, as opposed to geometries. He also mm -hmm. got geometries, but his pictures, these 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 depictions of things really captivated me. And then there was someone called Thomas Hieronymus, who was a radionic engineer. And he made an interesting observation that when he went to a Parisian meat market on a really cold day, he noticed that the freshly placed organs of an animal appeared to be affecting the way the frost froze on the glass behind them. For example, the frost would freeze into the shape of a liver organ above a liver organ and so on and so forth. And his hypothesis was there seemed to be some kind of life force energy still emanating out of these organs, even though they weren't attached to an animal anymore. And he put that down to there being water in the blood. And each organ has something called a sonic signature, which is essentially a bit like a cymatic pattern for form and function. And so because the blood was still very fresh and it hadn't all coagulated yet, and it, he, he believed that there, this, this water in the blood was sharing information with the water in the air, and the water in the air then took that information and as it hit the glass, it froze into the form of the information it was shared that was shared with it. So that really interested me because he was seeing it with his naked eye. Mm. And that encouraged me because 10 years ago, I didn't have a microscope, but I was very curious and I could see from those three examples that the secret was in the freezing mm. where the unseen becomes seen. And I think that that's a very overlooked stage sometimes. It's like we think about water in this fluid stage. We very rarely ever think about their water being water in the air, for example. Even the fact that we breathe out means there's water in the air, but we because we can't see it, we don't think about it very often. But this freezing stage, there's so much to it. And there's three ways that water communicates. So, and there's also three ways that water freezes. So in my work, water tends to freeze Firstly, in the stage that I take it out now, which I'm going to talk about and how I got there. Then there is the second freeze where there's two layers of ice with water in the middle. And then there is a solid ice block, ice block, you know, a block of ice. Mm -hmm. And so that first freeze is where there's liquid on top and ice underneath. And I tip the liquid away and photograph the ice that's stuck to the dish. That's not how I began. I began simply by having a Petri dish of water and I was going to project a thought into it because I saw that Emoto, you know, was using all different kinds of things like that. And I thought, well, I'm going to try that. And there was a little bit of fluff floating around in the dish. So I thought, oh God. So I put my hand in to take out the fluff and I thought, oh, I wonder if my hand will impact the water's so-called memory and quotes, because I didn't know if that was real. And so then I thought that thought will do. And I I pushed it and put it into the into the freezer with all the peas and the broccoli and everything. And 
I just forgot about it. And I came back a few hours later and I held it up to the light and I took my first photo of a hundred and no, how many is it now? 44, nearly 45,000 photos wow. of water responding in this way. And the image in the ice was of a very, very clear hand that looks like an x-ray of a hand. And so I, I I started doing a lot of this work thinking, first, is it just a coincidence? So I got seawater and froze a thin layer of that, and I saw this amazing fish. And this continued on for a year until I started to discover the fourth phase of water. So as I started to just learn more about the fourth phase of water, Dr. Gerald Pollack wrote a book called The Fourth Phase of Water. But Dr. Marcel Vogel also talked about the fourth phase of water, but gave it a different term. But that stage is is really where water is more viscous, it absorbs more light, it's actually H3O2, it's got an ordered molecular structure and it has negative charge. That's the kind of water inside of our cells. Mm. And you can also find it inside water, certain waters, particularly water that's been under pressure. So like spring water, for example, that's come from a deep aquifer. Now, what's interesting is that when water begins to freeze, but before it's frozen, it creates fourth phase water. Same thing in the melting stage. So mm. I wondered, oh, I wonder if I can see that stage in the freezer. I wonder when these patterns are starting to form. So I started to open the freezer earlier and earlier. And when I looked inside, I saw this liquid on top and you can see the, the ice underneath it. And so I thought that was really interesting. So I literally just took it out. The water naturally tipped away when I held it up. And I realized that this first freeze is one of the most potent ways to see this crystallographic picture expression. Mm. Because it's a quantum leap, really, from the way I, I used to freeze water compared to the way I freeze it now. The mm. solid means you have got layers on top of that first freeze. So it's amazing to me when I look back at my work for that year that I did, that I got any imagery that, at mm. all. So water must have really, really wanted to tell me something. And it was very patient with me to figure out how to actually look deeper to find this method of which now I've taught thousands of people mm. and many, many other people are also seeing imagery or something called a signature pattern or hydroglyphs. So this is the way water communicates in the three ways, just in the three ways, same three ways in a way that <laughs> there's a lot of ways that I'm talking about there <laughs> of how it will either freeze in three patterns or communicate in three ways. The first way of communication as a signature pattern. So that is where you can identify different waters based on the patterns that they show you. Then you can have the art, which most people know my work from, and then you have hydroglyphs. And a hydroglyph is something I get, I'm getting a little more scientific attention for because of the amount of repeatability. Mm. So a hydroglyph is essentially a symbol in ice that is connected to a word influence where I'll write a word on a piece of paper, put my dish of water on top of it for 30 seconds, remove and freeze. And if I see the same symbol appear using the same word at least 50 times, then I have one hydroglyph and there are multiple words attached to one symbol. So that's been five years of work and I have wow. about 41 hydroglyphs. It's literally reading the language of water. It's incredible. And People need to, there's so much we could cover. Like I was saying before we started, there's so many, it's just vast. And I went to your um, talk in Kent, which was like five hours and we still could have like listened to so much more. So people should go and go to your Instagram page to see some of these visuals, perhaps while they're listening to this, if you're listening on um, Spotify or Apple, go and actually look at some of these images so you can really understand. I'm sure most of you have seen them, but you can understand Vader's work. So what's your Instagram profile? We'll go at the end as to where to contact, but just if people want to do it while we're talking, it's uh, Vader Austin Water, isn't it? It's Yeah, Vader Austin underscore water. Okay. So one of the things that I'm really fascinated about is the egg experiments that you did and freezing the egg, because I feel the message 
of the power of self-healing and looking after ourselves really comes out through those experiments. Can you talk a little bit more about those to the listeners? Yeah, no, I, I love doing the egg work. Well, I, it all stemmed from this question I had, well, what would be the most informed water? And I always thought it would have to be amniotic fluid. Mm-hmm. And since that's not readily available, I thought, well, what about eggs? You know, they're in this incredible container, this container of life. And I was I had easy access to uh, someone at the time who had hens. So I was able to get really fresh, free range eggs. So when I started freezing the albumin, which essentially if you crack open an egg and most people that have done any cooking with eggs would know there's this gloopy gelatinous bit that kind of tries to like fall out. Well, the egg albumin I'm talking about is there's kind of two parts to the egg white. There is that gloopy part, but then there's a thin part that runs out more like saliva. If you Mm -hmm. crack the open the egg very carefully, a thin part usually comes out first. You let that fall into your dish as much of it as you can, and then you freeze that for about 10 minutes or however long it takes until you start to see patterns form. And I identified six patterns in the egg albumin of a free-range hen egg. And I named them because I'm, as far as I know, I'm, I know I'm the first. I'm no, I know them. The only person talking about this. So I don't know if I'm the only person that's ever discovered it. But it, 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 who knows? But at this point, I think so from what I'm being told. And so then I thought, well, what, what would it look? A caged hen egg look like if you did the crystallography for that? And so I cracked that open and it only could form maximum two of the more, most rudimentary of the six patterns. Mm. And I thought that was that was really sad, <laughs> but I did it. Actually, I've done that now, God, thousands of times for both, probably a couple of thousand. Wow. Uh, and so I always see same patterns for cage 10 eggs and I always see the same patterns for a free range egg. And someone once tried to see whether or not that w- that was true. And so they simply put a bunch of them in a egg dish, like, you know, the things that eggs are in, the container for eggs. Mm-hmm. And like got a whole thing of cage 10 eggs and put like just one, one, ca- one free range egg in there. And I haven't actually told this story, but it is really relevant to the story that's coming. And so we put the free range egg in there, but they didn't tell me where. And this actually was only for a few seconds. It's like, Mm. you know, how somebody has like a thing that covers a ball and you move the thing around and then you have to find the ball. And that's how quick it was. And then we did it. But it was very clear the caged hen eggs looked different than the free range egg. But then I started to wonder, well, you know, and this is how it stemmed. Well, what happens if you left it there for any period of time? What if you Mm. put a caged hen eggs around or what the first thought actually was what if you put a free range egg next to a caged hen egg and left them overnight see what would happen and I was inspired by the work of Luke Montanua who sadly passed recently who whose work was where he I mean he did many things he got a Nobel Peace Prize for discovering AIDS he was a very serious scientist but he got a lot of flack for this particular work he did with water where he had two vials of water, where one with a strand of, of DNA and one with without, they sat side by side. For 17 hours, there was a copper coil around it. It was 7 hertz, hertz frequency. They were left in ambient light. So when he, he came to, to check the water that had no nothing in it, they found when they put the precursor to see if there was any DNA strands at all or anything, in there they actually found Mm -hmm. dna in it it was called dna teleportation which sounds crazy amazing and i'm like well let's just see what's going to happen if there's a free-range egg and a caged hen egg side by side and i did that and what was interesting to me was that the free-range egg stayed beautiful but the caged hen egg had started to improve And when I shared that on social media, people were like, oh, that's really cool. But what happens if you surround it by bad eggs? Surely Mm -hmm. it's going to go bad. That was the assumption. So I've done that twice where I I did controls. I had my, you know, beautiful free range egg in the middle, surrounded it by cage 10 eggs, all from the same batch. 
And what we saw was healing by proximity in both tests. We saw that the cage 10 eggs that were closest to the free range egg that had been left overnight literally had taken on the patterns of the wow. free range egg. And the ones that were further away had improved, but not as significantly. So the longer, it seemed the longer the, um, the cage 10 eggs sat beside the free range egg, the more improved they got. So when you put that into terms of human beings, mm. you know, it, it simply is that if you heal yourself, you're naturally healing others. And the longer you heal yourself for, the more the impact is. And I also did did this with tap water and spring water, where I got tap water because I know its signature pattern is very disordered. And spring water, its signature pattern looks like a, a six-pointed star, which kind of like I call them star fern hexagons because that's what they look like. And side by side, left them overnight. I also checked tech checked the pH of them both and the mm. pH of the water was it was actually quite high that particular one was one that I had a healing experience with so it was about a 9.6 and the tap water was about a 7.1 something like that but the next day first I checked the pH of them both the spring water had stayed the same but the tap water's pH had actually gone up by two which is really crazy wow <laughs> And then I did the crystallography and I'd done the crystallography already. So I let that melt and then I do the tests to see what happens long, more long-term. And so what we saw was that the patterns of the um, tap water had improved significantly, which, which that part didn't surprise me so much. But what did surprise me more was that the crystallography of the spring water had even improved. Wow. It started actually it made a heart as well so shape in there so I think that when something is given purpose mm -hmm. it, it kind of actually also flows over into others and so that's why I think you know healing yourself and finding purpose you know we see this reflected in every avenue of my work how significant and important those two things are it's amazing. That is the message that I want everyone that's listening to hear. Like do and it can be in today's world, you know, I think it can be quite sometimes feel disheartening when you see sort of what's going on out there. But actually knowing that it's not completely hopeless because if we all do heal ourselves, we will spread that out there. So I think it's incredible your work. Thank you. I think there's two worlds. I think there's the one we live on and the one we live in. And mm. everything in the world that we live in is felt through our senses, so to speak. So, you know, we see the outside world, but it's coming in through the lens of our eyes. We hear the outside world and all the sounds and the music and everything. It's coming into the body. When we touch, the sensation is felt in through the body. You know, taste is felt into the body intuition is felt within the body mm. you know all of these different kinds of things are felt within this body this liquid realm so everything that we are sensing feeling is felt in the body and so how we perceive the outside world is all formulated from within this in this liquid realm but is there anything where we're not actually using this extra physicality to to experience the world through senses and i'd say that we can also be the observer of ourselves we can observe ourselves separate to senses so people that have ever had a psychedelic experience or journey anyone who have had some kind of deep meditation where they've observed themselves mm -hmm. some people can just observe themselves you can also observe yourself in dreams so mm -hmm. how how, what is this observer aspect that is the witness, if you will? And that's where we get a little deeper into the idea of water and spirit and electrical charge potentially being the tether of the spirit, which enables it to actually exit the body, to observe, to, to do whatever. And because we are alive, 
we then we're giving off some electrical charge which can be measured by heart math which is not woo woo and there's water in the air also that is attracted to electrical charge so we have this kind of web around us of information both exchange exchanging it from the internal external worlds which comes in as intuition but then there's these subtle layers you know where this 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 a uh, this witness is able to watch things without judgment observe them record them without judgment and this is a really interesting part because when I, I've interviewed a number of people that have had near-death experiences and they will often say they have the sense of rising mm. and then they look down upon their body being resuscitated and they observing they aren't in judgment they're just they're not even attached to the physical body at all they're watching and so when a gas expands you know it, it's like it, it, this is that some people talk about death as feeling like the people that have had near-death experiences obviously there's like taking off an uncomfortable shoe you the expansion is so great and we there's such a different perspective it's a of of everything and so I, I, I've gone on a tangent, but I find that topic fascinating. And I think within, the more we study water, mm -hmm. I think that at some point the science will catch up to, to a level where we might be able to see this vapor or this type of water actually ex ex exit the body. Um, because I think I do think that people can come back into their body, even if there is the slightest bit of electrical charge. Dr. Jerry Pollock, when I interviewed him, I've done a few different things with Jerry. He's a friend of mine now. And, and he said he said that, that, that one of his team did some experiments with chicken eggs as they they did just just as the, 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 the actual chicken embryo, sorry, but before it had become a, a full bird. Mm. And that you can grow a chicken and an egg and they stopped the heartbeat at something like three days or something like that and it wasn't in its formed state yet so they stopped it because they wanted to see whether or not this fourth phase water that is in all our cells right how quickly it would drop off at death mm -hmm. and with all the other things and so they made an interesting observation that it, it, it did stop like moving to a certain level but it didn't completely stop but when they put infrared light beside it the fourth phase water within the embryo it it, it shot right back up again and wow. it kept on moving for, for hours wow. and and so he said we might need to think about when it is that somebody is actually dead based mm. off these moving potentially and that was interesting again i mean i use this word a lot because i'm always fascinated that this there's there's I think there is a there's a word in Maori called wairua which means spirit it means in English two waters the physical and spiritual waters it means much more than that this is just a, one example and I think that there is a physical water that hydrates us that moves through us that we mm -hmm. understand that we're probably more familiar with within ourselves and then there is a spiritual water which is which is a subtle layer of that. Mm. And that subtle, that subtle water, I think, is connected to spirit always. Mm. Now, I don't think we're ever alone. I think that water is our constant companion from the moment we're conceived through fluids mm. to the moment we leave through a type of evaporation. I don't think in, in the hydroglyph that I have for living, like you know, I've used different words yeah. and to identify symbols. The word for living is also the same word for death, because from the perspective of water, water doesn't die. We can say it's dead water, it's polluted water, it's destructured water, it's denatured water. We have all kinds of labels we like to slap onto water. Mm. But actually none of those are true. I mean, perhaps in the moment, but water doesn't die. It it will always evaporate mm. and go back to this kind of reincarnation so what we see is that from the perspective of water death is another word for life wow that's that's really well it gives hope and it's reassuring and it's it's incredible where do you think where do you see 
sort of the future of this work and studying going because there's so many like maybe where I guess there's two questions where is it for you and where do you see it sort of more generally because it's vast we can look at how healing happens I mean the answers to to life and death unexplained science or science that hasn't mainstream science that hasn't caught up with the the fact we are living in an immaterial world you know quantum science there's so it's so vast what what are your thoughts on on yeah for you personally and for this whole area of research more generally well really water has a plan water has a voice and and it and has a lot to say mm. So I, I think that there is regular thought. We often regurgitate a lot of thoughts around in our mind. And then there is inspired thought. When it comes to this work with water, water helps me have inspired thought where something just comes. It's usually when I'm in the shower or something where it's like, oh, I should do that. I should try this. Like, oh, I should look at this. Water as you know, when you watch tributaries and they're all going in lots of directions and they keep branching off each other until they eventually get to the ocean. Well, I'm seeing water do this with me. There's so many tributaries that can go down. So, you know, I kind of, one, one thing with hydroglyphs, I would say that they are very, very special because they allow us to literally read water and they can also be two other things. They can be a voice for the voiceless and they can be, although there's no clinical studies or any of that stuff, I just need to say that. But from my experience and from some other people's experience, they can be like a liquid crystal medicine. Mm. So why I say they're the voice for the voiceless is that I was uh, approached by a lady whose child is severely disabled, her daughter. And she's she can't write, she can't hold her hands together, like she can't hold a pen and she can't speak properly, she can just make sounds. And the mum was really just, I, I, I don't know all of what they went through, but I'm sure it must have been a lot. But she just wanted to, to know if her child knew how much she was loved. And so she said, look, I, you know, she told me all the way she got to know about me and and she said, look, if I play, if I send you a recording of my daughter, could you play it to the water and can we see what it says? So she asked the daughter, you know, I just want to know, do you know how much you're loved? And then the daughter made sounds that she recorded and I did the crystallography. And there were four hydroglyphs in their Petri dish. And <clears throat> there was the hydroglyph which means individual, which reduces also to mean I. There was the heart, which we know means love. There was the multiplication glyph, which means multiple or a lot. And then there was the earth hydroglyph, which also means mother. So mm -hmm. rather than say, I know how much you love me, the child was saying, I love you so much, mummy. Oh, that makes me want to cry again because I heard that was crying tears when I heard that in Ken and it's making me cry again. Oh. And I was fortunate enough to be on a FaceTime when she told the daughter and her daughter was trying to clap her hands, you know, and it was like, oh, my God. And recently also, and I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have heard the story yet because I did it after Kent. So I do these beginners workshops where I teach people the technique. And so I have, you know, 22 people on a call that I've never met before. And, and so I teach them and then we look at their crystallography and I show them, you know, yes, there's this picture or this crystallography or hydroglyphs or whatever or signature patterns in there. And so it's a very practical workshop. But this one lady, I saw an embryo which there's a, a very specific design for embryo and it's always a light it's like the spine the shape of the spine is lit with light it's a very unique look and design and then there was the multiplication so many meaning a lot and then there were there's the conception glyph which is two circles that touch which means conception it can mean conception of a thought or a child you know, but usually a child. And she said, no, she, she, as I was sharing all this, she said, look, you got to stop. You've got to stop. This is freaking me out. I'm like, 
how come? And she said that she was a cancer survivor and that she had, they, they had an embryo that they were, she was now able to have implanted and they were about to do that three, in three days time. And I've since heard that she's pregnant. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. So, you know, I mean, like, that's what I mean. I still find it amazing. And the, the deeper it goes, you know, the more I realize that this isn't just some little thing I do. I'm not just sharing pictures for the fun of it. This is water showing us that there is an intelligence. There is an emotional intelligence there. Mm-hmm. And perhaps someone once suggested to me, what if water is expressing its consciousness through us and every living thing to observe itself from all perspectives? Mm-hmm. And another interesting aspect that uh, someone I, I know suggests is that hydrogen might be the spirit of water and that plasma could be the mind of water and mm-hmm. that water itself could be the body that houses them all. And I think that when you consider how much hydrogen is in the universe and that even the sun is a giant ball of hydrogen, Mm. hydrogen itself, hydro and gen, genesis and hydro, this means the creator of water. Mm. So when evaporation happens, it is is the source bringing bringing the water back home. Mm. And so this is some very powerful things. You go into different religious texts and indigenous texts, water is always mentioned alongside spirit. So I think the more we dive into this, you asked me where this is going. Well, I've I've just finished writing my book. So I am excited to get that to the world because it's my number one asked question. My last publisher went bankrupt and there were only a thousand copies made. And they all, that was years ago and they're all gone and there have been no more. So I, I have redone the book. I've added so much stuff in because people are like, I want to be able to explain it, but I can't remember everything you said. I just want it all in a book. So I've put it all in a book and I'm bringing it out next year. So that's a big year for me. And it's, it's so like, exciting. That is incredible. Like, I cannot wait to get a copy. Like, seriously exciting stuff. <laughs> Thank you. And I've changed the name. My, the book used to be called The Secret Intelligence of Water. And and I, I think it's not a secret. It shouldn't be a secret, mm-hmm. you know. I actually, I've changed it to Water, the language of life, the living language of life. Mm-hmm. That isn't that. Doesn't that sum it up, really? What um can I ask you? Because I know there's a lot of homeopaths listening to this, and they'll probably kill me if I don't ask you. But your book, your new book, does have a chapter, doesn't it, on homeopathy? Um, yes, yes. Do- and I've I've expanded on some of the stuff that people might have seen <clears throat> on my social media as well. There's a few extra things in there. Do you have any insight? I don't, obviously you must know if you've done studies on homeopathy, you might, you know, I don't know how much knowledge of homeopathy you have, how in depth it is, but do you have any personal views on how or why homeopathy works? You know, we, we take for people that are listening that maybe, you know, you use homeopathy, but never actually really thought about how it works. You take the substance, you add it to water, you know, one part of it to water and you succuss it, which is where you shake it. And that's a one C. Then you take one drop of that and dilute it to the 99 parts of water and shake it vigorously again. And you keep doing that maybe 30 times until you get to say a 30 C, which is what most people will be using at home. So really these remedies, it's although they come in pills, people often don't realize, well, no, they're just made in water. You know, it's the whole process. It has to be done in water to release the energy and the pills are just the carrier. And we still don't really know exactly, you know, there are lots of theories and sciences emerging as to how it works. But I feel like your work is so pivotal to helping us, you know, unlock these secrets. Do you have a perspective on how it might, you know, how they might work or how that energy kind of gets stored? That's a great question. <clears throat> well, for the most part, most of the the remedies that I used for my study, and it's only a small study, it's not a very big one yet, where it was ones that were in a dilute, like were, were, were liquid, so mm-hmm. rather than the pots. So that was easy to just put a drop into the mm-hmm. water. 
know that it kind of it it, it really helped. I did one with 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 it, which was a, more of an oil, like a CBD oil. But that I put that onto that was the only one I did different because I put that on a paper towel. I I put the drops on a t- paper towel and put the dish of water on top of it instead. Okay. And got really interesting imagery. But all the rest were put into water. And and I wasn't using distilled water. I'd like to add that a lot of people use distilled water because they think that it's so pure, like it doesn't have solates in it. But that's not what where where these remedies are going into. Then mm. we are not water. I wanted to see, you know, what would happen in a water more similar to human waters. So I I used spring water, which has minerals and salts within it, and when I used distilled water, I didn't get the same complex imagery as I did when I used spring water. I didn't see the signature patterns of spring water. I saw very specific patterns. What I would see was either something that looked like the remedy itself, like the plant or the whatever it was, mm. or I would see something that looked like a part of the body that was relative to what the remedy helped with. So that was something I kind of consistently saw. Now, what do I think is happening? Well, I used different dilutions. Mostly it was the 30, but one was like 100. Mm-hmm. And so people might might say, well, if, if it's just so diluted, surely there's like nothing in there, right? And my work doesn't would, would say to that person, well, actually, you know, I think that that there is something in the water. I think there is something there and it's tangible because we're working with subtle, subtle medicines, subtle remedies. And the subtleties are where the power is. Mm. You know, it's 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 all of this matrix of life is made of subtleties. What we think is real in our lives, you know, you could ask anybody in the world, is your life real? Are you really real? I mean, that's a big question. Maybe not everybody would answer the same way, but most people would say, yes, my life is real. I am here. Uh, yes, this is my life. I was once a baby and I did all these things and I had this experience and blah, blah, blah. And we have all these experiences, which are all memories, right? Every single one of them is a memory. So your entire life literally is made up of memories, and we consider those memories to make up our lives. They are very real. Our life mm. is real to us based off memories that have happened at every moment of our lives since we remember. So how do we remember all of those memories? Where are those memories stored? And they're stored within this fluid liquid system of our intelligent body. So one of the reasons I like to use spring water for this particular work with, with homeopathy is because the salts help us to store information for longer. They help us store that information. If you took all the salt out of the body, you'd be dead in 48 hours or less. Mm-hmm. So where's the memory? Where's the subtlety? And so the longer something is diluted, let's just say, it's a plant, right? So there's a plant, we have this like essence of the plant, and then that gets really diluted. So what is the essence of the plant, essentially? So if you think about that, it's like, okay, well, we know there's a physical aspect of an essence. But once it's diluted so much, we're now looking at the subtle aspect of this plant of the spirit, it becomes Mm. the spirit. of Now, Many people would say that spirits are real, like the spirit of, of, of a human is real or soul or subtle body or many, many words for the same thing. Anything that is living has an essence to it, a living property to it. That living property is held within this spiritual aspect of water that we mentioned a bit earlier. That spiritual aspect of water um, is very special. It is a little different, and it's different in that it isn't in just only the regurgitation of the stages of, you know, evaporation and all these different kinds of things. It's different in that it is actually holding a conscious principle. Mm. 
And that conscious principle of life expands the closer it gets to spirit. So these homeopathic remedies literally are where you're taking a plant, you're getting the essence from the plant, then fusing it into the water. The longer it's diluted, the more there is. So the more mm. you dilute it, the more memory is actually kind of put into the water of that essence because that essence is becoming more spirit-like. Mm. And if you think about that, that that analogy I gave of someone saying that death is like taking off an uncomfortable shoe, there is this huge expansion. So the more that it becomes closer to spirit, the more it expands. Mm. So that explains to me why a higher dilution like the more diluted it becomes, the actually the more ex it expands this idea of the essence of the spirit. And not only that, once you're kind of teetering on between the physical and the spiritual, which is kind of where homeopath homeopathy kind of sits, you're teetering in the in-between places. That also is sort of where embryos are like babies in the stomach are they're in the in-between places it's where the grandparents are near, when they get near death quite often when someone who has has alzheimer's for many many years for example and they're in their last few hours of death of, of life sorry they will have full memory all of a sudden all of a sudden they'll just remember everything and they'll be able to say goodbye this has been documented and recorded many 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 times by people um, in hospice and various things and they suddenly get all their memory back and then they mm -hmm. say goodbye and then they pass on there there's a process of letting go and this is we're seeing this I think within these depths of homeopathy where we're actually looking a little deeper where there is this window of being able to be part of both the spirit world and the real world of or not the real world or the material world should we say where information exchange is actually freely given on both ways. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an extremely powerful place and subtle uh, space, which, which I think needs to be given more attention. And I hope that in the future, people will study subtle medicine and study energetics far deeper especially within the realms of water, because water is in so many different stages. Mm -hmm. And and what's interesting with homeopathy is that it's actually, it's kind of like, not a, there's these fluid aspects, but then they come into a solid as well. They can be a pool, like you say, they can be different things. So, you know, when you have something that's come into the physical in a little pool, and combined with something like sugar, for example, when you freeze sugar, when you when you dilute sugar in water and freeze it, depending on the different type of sugar it is, you'll see different types of hexagons. Mm -hmm. So the, the the more pure the sugar is, the larger the hexag hexagonal patterns are, these little star patterns. The, 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 if it's white sugar, you see lots of tiny little stars. The bigger the hexagons, the healthier the energetic state of water is. The, so you see that white processed sugar tends to form littler hexagons, but then you get into sucral and like fake sugars and you start to see a lot of disorder. Mm. So, you know, you, you start kind of bringing in aspects of, of living properties. So we have sugars, we have salts, we have these various things within life force energy so you have these little balls of life force energy that's what I think about when I'm thinking of homeopathy because you have the essence of the living principle of a plant or whatever the remedy is mm. combined with the physicality of this embodiment of of life I love the way you describe that. And actually that word that you said, expansiveness with the more dilutions, you know, that's why if you take something that's really diluted, like a 10M, which has been diluted 10,000 times, you can go back even to ancestral 
patterns you know it's like way beyond you know a 60 is maybe physical stuff but because it hasn't expanded as much and that just as you were saying that I was like yeah you're just explaining exactly why the dilutions the higher diluted the more you're working on that spiritual emotional or even ancestral level well that's why I think that ancestral information is held within the amniotic fluid Mm. I actually think that 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 is a, the the potent place of of information exchanged between the ancestors and the baby. They often in some indigenous cultures they the the babies and the grandparents or the great grandparents they they spend a lot of time together because both of them are closest to where they both closest in that moment to where they're they came from mm. and I, I think that there's real beauty in that and truth in that oh Vader it's amazing how much you just this time has just literally flown by and I could chat to you for hours about so much more but I'm really conscious of your time and we've gone over and we chatted before which was amazing so is there anything like there's probably loads but just to finish up on that you want to share that we haven't discussed or I'd like you to also if you able to to let people know how to get in touch or you know what you've got in store but is there anything like parting words of wisdom that you'd like to end on before we wrap up there's always so so (laughs) there's much to share but I, I I think one of the the things that I like that I really that what has shown me that I really I I use for my own advice sometimes is that there was a little series I did where I was putting seeds into water. Uh, for example, I put a seed into water and for 30 seconds removed and did the crystallography. And rather than show me a picture of a seed, water read the potential of the seed and designed the sunflower because I put a oh. sunflower seed. When I put a flax seed in, it designed the pods, which are essentially the fruit of the flax seed. And it's also where the flax seed comes from. And when I put a pistachio shell only into the water and removed it, it designed the shell only. Nice. So water is reading the potential of life. Mm. And it is we have, by molecular count, not by volume, 99% water. There are trillions of water molecules within our body. In fact, there's more water molecules in our bodies than stars in the Milky Way. And every single one of those water molecules knows your potential. And is in, in is in a constant waiting, ready to fully embrace that potential the moment you decide to take that on or move towards that. It already knows everything you can do and more. And sometimes, you know, when you feel alone and when you think that nobody cares. You know, you have trillions of water molecules that care about you and only you. They are there for you, for your best interest, because water won't design an an environment of anger or frustration. It won't design any complex imagery, not out of judgment, because it doesn't resonate at that frequency. So you have this absolutely incredibly vast liquid system within you that is reading every positive uplifting potential you have and you only need to just take one little tiny step to be able to see how far water will show you who you are and who you can be and how incredible you are you know, we look so much into the mirror at the physical, but we're looking through water. Our eye lens is 99% water. With all the crystallography I've done, some of the hardest things sometimes to see and think is that water is reflecting you because it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. It's so expansive and it's so clever. And all of these things are also us. And we are all connected. Some of the most beautiful changes in tap water that I've seen have come from 64 people around the world sending love to my little tap water in my Petri dish in New Zealand. 
it transformed into some of the clearest, most beautiful hexagonal patterns that looked like pristine spring water. I'm chills as you're saying that. That's just incredible. Just amazing. Imagine how much. I, I always think we have on the surface of Earth between 1% to 2% drinking water. I'm not talking about primary water within the Earth's mantle. That's a whole other conversation. But on the surface of Earth, there's only about 2% 2, 2 potable drinking water. We only need that much percent of people to, as a collective mm -hmm. to make such huge waves around this world that, that things will never be the same. They will change so profoundly. And, and that's what water wants. It doesn't want to flood the world like one big giant flood again. It wants to flood the hearts of people. And that, that's my part of words. Vader, that is beautiful. Thank you so much. I've got all chills. I'm so ex you make me so excited about the future of the world and just what an incredible time it is to be alive and the discoveries or should I say the rediscoveries maybe that are being made. It's just exciting and you're just such an incredible incredible soul and we're so lucky all of us to have you. So thank you so 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 much for everything you do. Is there how Oh, thank you so much. How, if people want to, I shared your Instagram account earlier, but can you um, share just the best way to get in touch or follow your work and hear about your exciting news that's coming up in yeah, due course? Well, Instagram is just my name, Vader Austin underscore water. And my email is very unoriginal. I mean, sorry, my, my website is just vaderaustin.com and Facebook's Vader Austin at water researcher. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate coming on. And I know people are going to love this. And this is the final episode of this season of Raw Health Rebel. And just what a way to go out. So yeah, really, really grateful, Vader. Thank you so much. I hope to see you again in the UK when I come over there in October. <laughs> definitely, definitely.